Griffith's Stranger Diaries is a perfectly constructed modern gothic tale featuring an English teacher with a possibly haunted diary, a murder in a spooky old English manor house that's now a school, and plenty of atmospheric mystery. It's a perfect book for this season, one you'll want to read while curled up under a blanket next to a crackling fire. Hello and welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. I'm your host, Julie Strauss. Today, I'm so lucky to be talking to thriller author J.P. Choquette, who writes suspense novels with themes of nature, art, and folklore. J.P. and I talked Anglophilia, Gothic literature, books that are thrilling but not scary, the joys of letter writing, and why Stranger Diaries is the best book ever. Hi, JP. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm in a real sort of mystery and thriller phase right now. So this is a fun interaction of my personal interests. But before we get into that, I want to ask you about your reading life. What is the role of books in your life? Well, for me, they really provide um, escape and adventure. And I've heard somewhere on a different podcast that there are three main um, reasons that people read. It's either Um, education, adventure, or escape. And I think depending on what's going on for me, um, it can be any one of those three, but most often it tends to be escape and adventure. Okay. Let me think about that. Education, adventure. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? Like I'm trying to think if I will read anything if it's not providing one of those three things. And I won't. You know, I have I have sat through books where I'm not particularly engaged, but I really want to in- learn the subject matter. Right. Obviously, escapism has been the main part of it for me most of my life. I like that. Were you always a reader? Yes, always since I was really, really little. I used to, I have three older sisters and the one closest to me in age, um, I would always rope her into reading to me when I was too little to read for myself. And she was so good. She always, she was, would patiently read just hours and hours to me. Um, And yeah, I've always just really had an affinity for books and stories. Do you still exchange books now that you're an adult? Is reading still a part of your relationship with your sisters? Um, not as much. We're we're all kind of drawn to different subject matters and read um, pretty different things. <laughs> so, but I think we all are readers, um, just that we don't share a lot of similar um, interests in our reading. What's your general favorite genre? Where do you hang out in the bookstore? Yeah, I'm definitely in the like thriller, suspense, mystery section. Um, all types. I love everything from like cozies to historical mystery and suspense to psychological thrillers. Um, I'm not a huge fan of police procedurals, I guess. And I'm, I'm not really a series reader. Uh, for the most part, I tend to get bored after the first (laughs) one or two in a series, which is unfortunate because often when you find a good book, it would be nice to like keep going with that author. But 
Um, I'm just, I tend to be more of the standalone uh, book type reader. (laughs) Because you want it wrapped up at the end? I think so. I just, yeah, I feel like I, once I've been to the place and experienced time with the characters, I tend to just be like ready to move on. Like, okay, that was nice. Now let's go see what else is out there. Although I will occasionally go back and kind of re-enter the series after I've read some other standalone books. Like I'm thinking of um, Agatha Christie's The Poirot novels. They're just so like comforting (laughs) and it's, they're so, um, yeah, just so familiar that it's nice to be able to kind of go back periodically and read. And it doesn't really matter if you read those out of order. I feel like he's always kind of the same character and he's having different adventures and different mysteries that he's solving, but I don't think it's as important that you read them strictly in order. Um, So that's one series that I, I do enjoy reading. It's interesting because you write series, don't you? Not really. (laughs) Well, I do have, I have one series out um, called Monsters in the Green Mountains. And that's maybe the one you're thinking of. Um, yeah, I, that's not a series. It is a series, but it's kind of like I um, compare it to like Stephen King's Castle Rock, where there's all the each book is its own story. And the characters don't really overlap into each of the other books in the series. It's more the um, the situations and the location of the novels and sort of the same style of writing that carries over and kind of ties them all together. Okay. And do, will characters occasionally pop in on each other's books? Is there that kind of continuity or do you really keep them separate worlds? They're really separate. Yeah. The only two, there's two that are slightly connected um, only because in the present day, one of the novels is set in, in the present day. And um, there's these letters that are found that were dated 1917. And so in one of the other books, I wanted to figure out what those letters were doing in the location where they were found. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so curious to like figure out about these, like learn more about these letters. So I went back and actually wrote like a prequel So that's kind of the only overlap. But the rest of what ties that series together is that it's all set in really remote um, wilderness areas in Vermont. And there's all some, um, they all share a folkloric elements. What draws you to that? That, Because I noticed that all of your books are folkloric or a supernatural bent to them. What's the appeal of writing that? For me, it's... um, I think it's that battle between good and evil and in that type of writing, I feel like with the supernatural suspense, it's more obvious maybe than in some other um, subgenres in the mystery thriller category. Um, yeah. I think that's what draws me the most is that it's, it's more obvious and it's more, it's frightening, but to me, it's not as frightening as like, I, I can't read like serial killer type books. And I don't want things that are going to make me afraid to like be in my house alone. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like even though the supernatural stuff is probably out there, I don't want to, um, it's not something that I'm dealing with like on a daily basis, like worrying about the the weird neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
I know exactly what you're saying. And I love the tagline on your website and all of your books, suspense that turns pages, not stomachs. That really made me laugh. And I thought, oh, that is exactly the definition of the books I love because I love a good suspense story. And I, and I don't mind supernatural, but I don't want to be grossed out. And I, and the same thing, I don't want to be afraid to be alone in my house. I don't want to be afraid of my daughter's safety, you know, yes. a ghost. I'm not afraid of a ghost. Sorry, ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> and is that important to you to not have the gross out factor? Yeah, yes, it definitely is. I, I'm always frustrated when I'm reading a book that I'm really excited about and it has like so much um, appeal going into it and you're really like drawn into the story. And then all of a sudden it like, takes a really bad turn and you're like, Oh, Oh my gosh, like what happened? And for me, it's almost worse in books than, um, even in movies, because I feel like in movies I get clued in maybe a little earlier or I'm like, Ooh, this, and then you just fast forward. But in the book, you're kind of, sometimes you can be blindsided and sometimes too, um, you don't know, like, when is that going to be done? And is it going to come back? Is is that storyline going to keep repeating throughout the book? So I've had that situation a lot of times and I don't like it. And I don't want that for anyone who's reading my work. I want them to just know that they're going to get like a good, creepy, fun story without having to worry about like horrible things that are going to give them nightmares. <laughs> that seems so hard to me. I have never written anything scary or mysterious or suspenseful. And it seems like such a fine line to walk because in a way it would be almost easier to just go, Oh, let me just, I don't know, stab everybody or whatever, just be very (laughs) gross. But when you want to walk that line of what, like you said, turn pages, not stomachs, that's a much more delicate dance, isn't it? Where you want to make it creepy, but not go too far, but still have people just ripping through those pages. I'm really, I'm just in awe of it because I don't know how you do that. Well, I think some of it comes from um, just what you enjoy reading and what you enjoy watching. And I think that really helps to form um, kind of the basis or like provide kind of like a structure around your story. Um, and I'm sure that there are people who would read my books and be like, Oh, those are so gross, you know, like, because <laughs> bad things do happen to the people. I don't dwell on the bad things, but, um, you know, some readers are, who are super sensitive might be like, Oh, I thought that was gross or, you know, whatever. So it is a little <laughs> bit subjective. Sure. Um, everybody's opinion's a little subjective, but I think that, I think sometimes the, um, what you don't say or what you don't show, it can actually be more suspenseful to the reader. Mm -hmm. Um, because people who read have very active and vibrant imaginations and they are, their brains are already like filling in all the gaps and, you know, they're creating their own images and their own world in their mind as they're reading. Um, so I think that, our imaginations are so fertile and so um, just they're very masterful at at creating scary (laughs) without the author having to kind of overdo it. Oh, I love that. 
Do you remember how you found this book that we're talking about today, Stranger Diaries by Ellie Griffiths? I think I found it just while I was browsing at the library. And it's funny because um, Ellie Griffiths writes other books because as soon as I finished this one, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to immediately go out and like find whatever else she's written. But I think this is the only standalone novel that she's written. She has a series with, I think it's a, a female police detective. And I never picked that up because like I said, I'm not really a series reader, but um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was a library like featured on the new shelf. <laughs> oh, that's the best place to find books. So I read that she meant this to be a standalone, but then um, she liked D.S. Harbinger Cower so much that she wrote a second book with that detective sergeant. I did not know that. And I just, I just saw that. So, and I don't even know if it's out yet. It's called the Postscript Murders. Oh, cool. But I, I, I'm, I like that she, that's the character she went with. Cause I really liked her. Yes. Really good. She was fun. <laughs> yeah. So how would you, will you tell our listeners what this book's about? The Stranger Diaries? Yeah. So the Stranger Diaries is about a woman named Claire, it's Claire Cassidy And she is um, an English professor at kind of an old fashioned type uh, boarding school converted into, um, I'm sorry, it's a high school. It's not a college. And she has this strong interest in a writer who uh, lived in the actual place where the school is now. And she, um, he was a bit of a strange character and had some mystery in, in his own life. And as Claire kind of uh, delves more deeply into the mystery surrounding this long dead writer, uh, these strange things begin to happen in her own life. There's a potential stalker, but we're not quite sure. Um, and things begin, people and um her, her pet begin to be affected by the whole situation. And, and in the middle of this, she's dealing with the death of um, a close friend and also a daughter, a teenage daughter with a lot of angst. And so she's kind of trying to navigate all of that while also figuring out what the true history is of this uh, famous writer. Tell me what you like so much about this book. I am absolutely in love with Gothic inspired anything. Um, And this book had so many overtones of that Gothic. It's very atmospheric, which I'm a complete sucker for. Um, There's lots of moodiness described in the weather. I think the author does a fantastic job with um, the characters, just making them very real and the um, setting being an old school. That's always like a, it's like a yummy treat for me. It's one of those, um, an author once in another podcast I was listening to referred to all of those things that you really love finding in books as, um, an id list. So I think it's a psychological term. And, um, so she suggested making a list as a reader of like, what would be on your id list. So all the things that you love, like for me, Um, Definitely like private schools or old abandoned places, asylums, um, hidden staircases, 
dark, creepy mansions, you know, it goes on and on, but the majority of my list is all kind of Gothic. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. So this book really, um, hit a lot of notes for me in that, in that regard. It's so funny that you say this because I have a list right here where as I was reading this, I, at one point I thought this is hitting every one of my sweet spots. And then I thought, what are my sweet spots? Let me. And so I started jotting them down and I'm not kidding. This is what I wrote down. This was before I finished the book, a dead author, a mysterious child. You know, we don't know the story of the dead author. We don't know of this child. Yes. If, if that child actually exists, a spooky school, a diary that's been invaded, a story within a story that prefigures the main story and Scotland (laughs) (laughs) and all of those things are in this book. Yes, I agree. Yep. (laughs) Now you said before we started recording that you're an Anglophile. Do you intentionally seek out British authors? I do. Yeah. Yes. I, I have dreams of living in England someday. I was able to visit, um, many, many years ago, and I'm looking forward to going back. And there's just so much about the country and the customs and the style that I really, I love. Do you ever like watch a modern movie set in London? And I sometimes I feel like every author I know, including myself, I mean, I am 100% guilty of this, romanticizes England and Scotland and Ireland and Wales. And then I'll see a movie of modern London and I go, that's not what England looks like. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I definitely have the castles. <laughs> that's right. I definitely like my romanticized version. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's possible I've been sold a bill of goods, but it's okay. <laughs> the other thing I was thinking about that I really wanted to ask you about is the term gothic, because that was the other word I kept thinking as I was reading this. And then I realized, I don't think I know what it actually means other than this feeling that it gives me of rain and castles. Right, right. What, how would you define Gothic literature? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so I think it's unfortunate that um, Gothic literature and Gothic um, like architecture, that whole time period is exactly the same word that we use for like Gothic people that really love like goth, like clothes and hair and the style of being goth. Um, Because it's kind of hard when you're doing research or like trying to find more out about um, like gothic inspired literature, gothic inspired movies. Um, Often like the more modern goth term will come up. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. Gothic to me means all of those sweet spots that you were talking about, as far as being very um, atmospheric, very dark and kind of brooding, at least in some parts of the novel. Um, Usually there is a heroine who's somehow in distress and there's some greater force than her who is either trying to hurt her or trying to frighten her or um, some sinister aspect or person who is kind of out to get her. And then she's kind of doing everything that she can to um, break free or to overcome this challenge or this person. Um, And also just a lot of, to me, it's very sensual, um, meaning Mm. using all of your senses. So there's always 
there's usually always mention of like candles and flickering flames and scents and, um, you know, strange noises in the night and creaking floorboards. And so I think as a person who's really, I just love using all my senses and feel like I um, am very in tune with all my senses. It, I don't know, somehow that translates in what I read too. I like it when the characters are noticing those kinds of things. And I feel like it just adds a lot of richness to the story. Good. And in this one, there's even, there's a lot of tea and then there's, um, detective sergeant, um, you know, her mom's cooking Yes, you know, the yes. Indian food that's described that makes you hungry. I know. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that, but the five senses, what a great way to put that because you're so right. When you're reading it, you can hear the rain outside. I think that's what, um, almost more than anything I love in an author's work is when they draw you into the story so completely that you're like, when you stop reading, you're like, where am I? (laughs) Because they do such a good job of covering all that you're seeing and hearing and feeling. And um, yeah, I love that. I think the other one is the threat of the supernatural, whether or not it turns out to be a ghost. Yes. I like I, I like that hint of like, what is happening here as, you know, when this book starts out and her diary is invaded and you're thinking, is this ghost talking to her? What is happening? Right, right. And I like that feeling of where is this going? There's because I always want the logical explanation, but I kind of like that it might be a ghost. I love too that she, that her journal kind of plays such a prominent role. Um, Old letters is another Mm -hmm. like on my love list and journaling, you know, journals or finding um, any kind of like handwritten correspondence or um, memories. I love that too. And I love that they, they almost made her journal. um, The author almost made her journal like a character. And you were wondering like, what is going on with this journal? And like, where is it? We should keep track of the journal. Like we don't know who has access to her journal. And, and that's another, that's another sense thing. It's a tactile, like holding someone's actual letter that they wrote to someone a hundred years ago is a totally different thing than looking up on Wikipedia, what someone wrote. And, and there's that tactile experience of running your hand over the paper, which you get a real sense of that in this book as well. Yes. Yes. And it's almost too, um, I think with letters and journals, it's almost like a snapshot of that exact moment. So it's almost like a word picture. So instead of a photograph that you're looking at and trying to figure out like, who are these people and what are they doing in this picture? It's um, almost like even a little deeper because you're almost getting a glimpse into the person's mind when they wrote that whatever it was, the journal or the letter. Yeah. And interestingly, that's only become more true as we get more into the digital age. If you receive a letter now that has been handwritten, it's a completely different experience than emails and texts. Yes. Because someone has taken the time to find paper and a pen and write, which takes longer. And it's a much more intimate experience. And everyone told us that that experience was going to disappear as computers took over. But in a way, it's it's more important. It's it's 
a much more connected experience. Yes. Yes. And it, it almost forces you as the writer of the letter to slow down and like think really a lot more deeply maybe about what you're writing. And, um, and then as the receiver of the letter, the seeing the person's handwriting, it is such a different experience. You're right. than like getting an email where the text all looks the same, no matter who wrote to you, you know, and it's, yeah. it all kind of is in a similar format. Um, yeah, I love letters. I love writing them and I love, love, love receiving them. It is the best. I saw on Oprah once that she, every time she writes a letter, she only writes on the front side of the page because she uh-huh. knows people like to frame them when they get, uh-huh. letters, which I thought is the neatest thing. I would definitely frame a letter from Oprah for sure. Yeah. Do you consider your books? Would you classify them as Gothic? I say that they're gothic inspired by that. I mean, they have a lot of the elements that we talked about of um, kind of traditional gothic works. So they're very um, heavy in atmosphere. Um, There's a lot of that kind of dread built into them that suspense dread. There's the supernatural thing, which may or may not be a real threat, um, depending on the book. There's a lot of the, a lot of that focus on like good versus evil. And there's always in my books, a lot of, um, the senses used because that's just who I am. (laughs) And that definitely shows up in the, in the books. Do you have a preference? I'm very fixated on this, on the five senses thing. Now that you said it, I can't get it out of my head, (laughs) but I'm thinking about it in terms of reading too. Do you have a preference for reading? Like, will you read on an e-reader or are you a paper book? Yeah, I will. I will read on my, uh, my tablet, but it's not my preference. I really like a paper, paper, hardcover, paperback or a hardcover book. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Even though I know it's mass produced, but it, it does feel closer to a letter or a diary even though yes. I know that is not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there is well, something about touching it. There is. And it, you know, they have the smell, that special like book smell. And then when you're holding it in your hands and you're all done your reading session, you put in your bookmark and you can see like, oh, wow, I'm like a third the way through. Or, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I've got to slow down because I want to make this one last as long as possible. Or, um, yeah, I love it. What other, uh, can you think of other American authors that you think do Gothic very well? I know that I, I hear the phrase Southern Gothic frequently, but just like with Gothic, I think that's a phrase I use, but I don't really know what it means. Uh, one that she's long passed away now, but um, she her books are wonderful. It was um, Mary Roberts Reinhardt. She was probably back in the, I think, late 1800s into the 1900s, um, but she wrote some really great um mysteries that I would definitely characterize as Gothic. Um, one that I loved of hers is called the yellow room and it's very, it's pretty short. So it's a quick read. It's set in new England. It's about this woman who, um, but she has to return to her family's summer home and kind of close it down for the winter. Um, but for some reason, somebody was supposed to be going with her and they couldn't make it. And so she ends up going on her own and there's, um, some strange stuff going on at the summer house and like half the servants or more have left in fear. <laughs> They've like run off in terror and she's kind of left to, 
um, get everything taken care of. And it was, it was very, very well done. Oh yeah. That's already spooky. (laughs) So tell me, what are you reading right now? I am, well, I'm, I'm in one of those phases. I don't know if you have this or if listeners have this, but I'm a real mood reader and I just, I can't like be structured and organized about what I read. So I, I can't like join book clubs and stuff because I'm just, I'm like a book club dropout. And right now I'm having a, I'm having a tricky time finding the right book, but I did scour my shelves. And um, last night I started one, it's an old book by Mary Higgins Clark, um, which she was one of my favorite authors as a teenager. And I was like, oh, I think I'm ready for something like teenagerish. <laughs> I believe it's called, um, I think it's called, I've got you under my skin or just under my skin. Good title. Um, Yeah. She's, she was the queen of suspense for a reason. Her, her chapters are so tight. I'm already like on chapter eight and I'm just like, Oh, they're like M&Ms just one more. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is that your usual method when you're in a reading rut? Will you go for something that you already know well to try to ease yourself out of it? Not usually. Well, occasionally I will do that. What I usually try to do is try something new. Um, but I've had like three failed attempts in a row and I was like, okay, I can't, I can't take on something new. Like I just want to finish a book. And when I was younger, I, it really, really bothered me to not finish a book. Like I couldn't do it. I had to finish, even if I hated it, I forced myself to like plow through to the end And now as an adult, I'm like, no, like if I, if it's not capturing me by like the first few, several chapters, I usually just set it aside and there's too many books out there that I want to read. So, um, but yeah, this time I did try like three or four different ones and I was like, oh, this is just, they're not drawing me in. I'm getting stuck. I'm not really, you know, when you feel like a little bit like, oh, time to have my reading. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's a really bad sign. Another thing I do also when I'm in a reading rut is um, I will try to ask some friends who also like reading in my genre, like what's the best thing you've read lately? Or like, what's, what was a couple, what were a couple of your favorite books from last year? And that helps sometimes too, or even just um, browsing around on Goodreads sometimes will remind me like, oh yeah, I, I wanted to read that. Like, let's see if I can get a copy. Yeah. Are people surprised by your taste in books, both in reading and writing? Because you, you're so, you're just sunshine. And and the fact that you like these sort of spooky adjacent books, when you, when you hand books over to your friends, do they go, what the? And I'll tell you the one I'm thinking of in particular, I've forgotten the title, but the one with the doll on the title, on the cover. Yes. Let the dead rest. Yeah. The cover on that one might have been a little much because I've brought them to shows like when I do book shows and I've had a lot of people be like, oh no, I don't need books. <laughs> or like, no, I'm not reading anything that has that creepy thing on the cover. <laughs> yes, I do. To answer your question, I do get that quite a lot. And I've actually been um lucky enough to have a couple like articles written in newspapers and and a couple of the reporters described me as like you said, like this sunny author does not seem like the right match for the books that she's writing. I even read somewhere, um, some kind of author. I can't remember if it was, it was some author's organization dedicated to writers. And they were talking about like, this was kind of old information, but they were talking about how you should 
dress and present yourself as like a thriller suspense author, like don't wear flowery dresses and don't like, you shouldn't wear pastels and like, you need to wear like dark colors and blazers are encouraged. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's not me at all. Will you tell our listeners where they can find you and your work online? Sure. Yeah. The easiest place would be my website. So it's uh, JP Choquette. It's uh, J-P-C-H-O-Q-U-E-T-T-E dot M-E. And I've narrowed down um, most of my social media now, but I am still on Instagram. So that's also a good place to find me. And the books themselves are available on um, just about every digital platform, I believe, and can also be ordered through um, independent bookstores or libraries too. And can I ask, are you working on something right now? I have a couple of things that are in the works, but right now, just for the next month or so, I'm taking a little break to enjoy the last parts of summer. Uh, And then as soon as the nice chilly weather hits and I have my fire going and crackling and the candles all lit, I'm sure that the inspiration is going to come back to pull out those books. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I cannot wait to see what you do next. I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been really fun talking to you. And I hope you'll come back anytime you have a book you want to share with me. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I would love to hear what your favorite gothic novel is. Let me know on Instagram at Best Book Ever Podcast. Links to everything we discussed are in the show notes or on my website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. If you have a book you want to tell me about, Click on the Be a Guest button on my website or Instagram bio so we can chat. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your favorite mystery-loving friend and rate it on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button. Thank you for joining me today. I will see you at the library. Go ahead and write to me, Oprah. I know you're listening. (laughs) 